Where'd you find this? Craig. There's Craig. Craig's here. Craig. Craig's here. Episode 108 is here. Uh, this is a special Thanksgiving episode for a couple of reasons. One, because Thanksgiving just happened. And two, because we're joined by Walker Kelly from Football Absurdity. How's it going, homie? Um, pretty good. Yeah, just uh, excited to get it get going on this. Uh, always good to be with the TH Fantasy boys. My friend, we appreciate you. Um, rapid reaction to the, uh, to the Lions-Packers game from yesterday. Oh, boy. Um, uh, the offensive line didn't play as well as it usually does, and so Goff was under a lot of pressure, and he doesn't. We know he doesn't handle that very well because he's not athletic. Um, the defensive backfield has too many miscommunications and blown coverages still, which I would say is probably on the defensive coordinator at this point. That's mostly what happened. I mean, honestly, it's mostly the defensive backfield and the offensive line played bad because the individual players on the offense honestly did fine. Like. Off's passing numbers were pretty good. Um, Gibbs and Montgomery looked good. St. Brown and Laporta looked good. It was just Off did not have the protection that he needs to dissect a defense like he likes to. And so it was just an uncomfortable game. The Packers made the Lions uncomfortable most of the game. And that was the reason why they jumped out to such a big lead. And then they did just enough to sit on it, you know? And yeah. It, it was kind of... it was. Not the same game plan, obviously, but it was similar to what the Bears did to us five days ago. The Bears didn't have enough to hold on at the end. No and the Packers <laughs> got us, the Packers got out to just, you know, a little bit bigger lead, and therefore they were able to hang on. But we'll, we'll, just, we'll blame it on the guy you talked about last time you were on with Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed's the reason why they won that game. Yeah, Jaden Reed was really good. He's, he's a frustrating player to have to deal with on a rival team. Yep. Shane, you're Shane, you're back after your week. How did the how the Midwest treat you? I know you didn't piss on the statue outside Lambeau Field, but I, I at least hope you like pissed a little to the left of the toilet, you know, when you're <laughs> in the washroom. I will say though, uh, <laughs> I, I had a really good trip, but I will say the people of Wisconsin are disgusting because I was in the bathroom ready ready to wait for my time to pee at the urinal, and I watched thirty four adult men come out of the urinals and two people wash their hands. Oh my yeah. god! But other than that, I know you guys hate Green Bay. I did feel guilty because I'm a Bears fan by proxy. So everybody who they were always like, kind of, oh, who, what kind of fan? Because I was wearing my Charger gear. I had to rep the set. Um, like, who's a Bears fan? We make fun of them. And I was like, I'm one by proxy. So I was like, I had that like inner hate in my heart. But I know you guys are are Green Bay haters. But if you do have the opportunity to go to a game, I would recommend because the stadium is is great. I mean, maybe that's me as like a traumatized Charger fan of like a franchise that does not give a shit about its fans. Sure. But I felt welcomed. It was nice. Hell yeah. Ryan, Ryan, you're back. Uh, uh yeah. How about, how about, how about them Hawkeyes today? Huh? Hell yeah. Another under it's again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's the, they are the worst, hardest team to watch in college football. Cause their defense is just okay. It's not even like because their defense is great. It's because they play such bad teams. I've been yeah. betting the statistical, historical, like lowest point totals in college football history and still hitting. It's crazy. Ryan's just on a heater, dude. He's the best gambler in the group. Yeah. Right now. Um, we, yeah, I did good today. Yeah, hell yeah, you did because you tailed my bet. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to, you know, look out for you too. 
Oh yeah. And it I worked. Appreciate that. And it worked. You bring us all in <laughs> under the umbrella. Um all right, Ryan, speaking of, do you uh you want to start us off for for your story of the week? Yeah, sure. So last week I did a like a real special game. This week's gonna be a guy in a game. So we all saw last week the Grey Cup was played in the historical Canadian Football League. Yep. So this week I want to talk about a guy named uh Matt Dunnigan. All right. Former Canadian League football player, um, announcer. He's in the Canadian Football League Hall of Fame. Voted one of the CFL's top 50 players of all time. He was even a coach for the Calgary Stampeders uh, at one point in, in his career. He attended Louisiana Tech and set a bunch of records uh, for that school. His like career numbers at Louisiana Tech were, let's see, 550 completions out of 1,103 pass attempts for over 7,000 yards and 40 touchdowns against, yeah, 50 interceptions. Okay. Okay. Famous Jameis. Yeah, uh, which is why he's in Louisiana Tech uh, University Athletic Hall of Fame, and which is also why he made a career in the Canadian Football League. Uh because as we all know, Louisiana Tech's not not really that great in the college football <laughs> rankings. Um, no, Louisiana Tech is actually in Montreal. That's why, <laughs> right? <laughs> so he broke into the CFL in 1983 with the Edmonton Eskimos. Who um, I'm pretty sure the game I'm going to talk about was against the Eskimos, but he. Uh, is well known for throwing for the most um, passing yards like ever in the game of like Western football. Like okay. no one in the NFL has done it. No one in the NFL has even gotten close. Um, so this was the Grey Cup of 1994. Matt Dunnigan was playing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. In this game, he threw for over 700 yards. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> 700 yards, all right? So let's let's take a look at some like NFL comparison. The most passing yards in the NFL ever in a single game, Norm Van Brocklin in 1951 with 554 yards. Um, Tom Brady in Super Bowl 53 through 505 yards. And um, sorry to say this, but Ben Roethlisberger has thrown for over 500 yards four times in his career. Uh, it is a record, but you know, I hate saying his name. He threw for over 700 yards in the, his, in this historic game. Yeah. His favorite target was Alfred Jackson. He caught seven balls for 308 yards and four touchdowns. Those touchdowns were 55, 54, 34, and an 88 yard, uh, touchdown. Jesus. David Williams had 10 catches for 242 yards. Yep, yeah, 242 yards. The Winnipeg offense put up 792 total yards in the game. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. so awesome. And 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 get this, through the through their first 3 games of that of uh let's see. No, this is a different year. Why would it say that? Through the first three games of their 2011 season, the Bombers put up 552 yards of offense. I guess it's just to show how bad they were. In the 
uh let's see oh another funny thing about this game was that more i kept reading about it like no nobody it was never like uh canadian nationally like broadcast because back in the 90s the cfl was still getting their shit together they weren't the nfl and it was taped but it was never nationally broadcast so like they dunnigan like did all this shit in the game through for all these through for all these yards but like no one ever saw it and <laughs> and <laughs> until like later on uh they found the tape and he was able to go back and watch his historic game um but it was like on a vhs vhs tape he had to watch commercials <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah crazy game that's Ended awesome. up, like I said, he's in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Um, and I just wanted to somehow tie in the Grey Cup this week to to my guy, Matt Dunnigan. That's awesome, Matt Dunnigan. It's a good start. Um, all right, Walker, do you have something you want to share? Um, you know, I will talk about... Uh... I don't have any stats or anything, but since sure. Ryan mentioned the CFL, uh, I'll talk about my personal favorite CFL player. I am a, uh, I guess, tangential Hamilton Tiger Cats fan. Let's um, go. And my favorite Tiger Cat of all time is former Kansas State tiny receiver Brandon Banks. Um, okay. Absolutely elite return man, both in college and in Canada. That was his only role, unfortunately, in the NFL, because as I mentioned, very small, like 5'6", 160. Sure. Um, but 5'6"? Yeah, this one of the smallest guys you'll ever see. Kansas State has a real habit of getting these guys for some reason. <laughs> but, um, he In Canada, with the bigger field, he was just absolutely lethal. I mean, 100-yard receiving games all over the place, kick and punt return touchdowns constantly. I think he won... CFL most valuable player one year. I I don't know if that's actually accurate, so I probably shouldn't say it. But you know, no, we'll say it's true. Yeah, yeah, for sure, it's <laughs> absolutely true. Mm-hmm. I, I'm looking it up right now to see if I have that wrong because I don't. I don't want to. We don't need to give him any more credit than he deserves, but he deserves <laughs> a lot of credit for being like just sick in general. Like he was he sure. shorter than was he sure. shorter than the corn stalks? Yeah, five <laughs> he'd five seven one fifty is what he was listed at. Sheesh. Wow. Short Kings. He was the CFL's most outstanding player in 2019. That's awesome. Just career CFL stats. I, I lied and said I wouldn't have any stats, but now that I've looked them up. Uh, 422 receptions, 5,678 yards, 44 touchdowns, 5 rushing touchdowns, 13 return touchdowns in his CFL career. Let's go. Yeah. Basic, basically, he's like what? He's Canada's version of Devin Hester, but a good receiver. <laughs> and I just loved I just loved watching him. That rules. Oh, yeah. Um my fiance, uh her fam she was born in and her family still resides in Hamilton, so Let's go Ty Cats. Go Ty Cats, baby. Hamilton rules as a city. So I, I would like to go, honestly. I mean I've never been to Canada, even as a Michigan resident and northern Michigan resident to boot. But yeah, I wanna go to Toronto, I wanna go to Hamilton, I wanna go to Montreal. And I want to yeah. go to Vancouver. Vancouver's sick. I love Vancouver. Vancouver is cool. Um, all right. Awesome. Shane, you want to go next? 
Yes, sir. I'm back, and we're a day late for Thanksgiving. So my guy, I kind of want to coincide with the holiday, um, and I was also inspired by Ryan's guy last week of a special teams player. So my player was born sure. on November 26, 1942, from Norway, Jan Stradenrud. So oh, hell yeah. Now, technically, Norway has the holiday, which is kind of like adjacent to Thanksgiving, called Hochstockenfest, but it doesn't have a formal date because it's basically the harvest holiday, so it ranges from September to October, sometimes into November. Um, so I kind of wanted to lump it all into one thing. Um, so Jan was born in Festund, Norway, and came to the U.S. on a ski jumping scholarship in Bozeman. <laughs> Ryan, do you know where Bozeman is? Yeah, it's... Um... It's Montana. west, uh, yeah, western Montana. It's yeah. kind of, it's on your way to like, hundred miles from like Glacier National Park and stuff. Knew I could count on you for that. Yeah. <laughs> so while Jan was training for an upcoming ski season, he was kind of putzing around with injured Dale Jackson, kicking a field goal while unwinding from a practice session. This was seen by basketball coach Roger Kraft, who brought Jan to the head coach of the football program, uh, Jim Sweeney. So even though he was ineligible for the season, Jan would make the team on a tryout and would suit up for the final game of 1964 to basically the fundamentals of American football. Because back in the day, coach was just like, hey, you're sick. Just come see what's up. There was no like stupid rules and regulations like we have now. So he would hit, he would join in 1965 and would then hit the, at the time, record college football um, of a 59-yard field goal. Jan was very humble, and he said he had tremendous help from the powerful tailwind at almost 5,000 feet of sea elevation that kind of carried the ball further than it should have gone. Um, I do appreciate his modesty, but a win is a win in this house, so we should flex. Yep. He was named All-American in 66 and was also named All-American in ski jumping and a three-time Big Sky champion, which is the division that um, the college was within. Damn. So. So now Jan would gain notoriety as being the first professional football player to be the dedicated kicker due, due, due to his excellent accuracy as well as uh, prowess with his leg because he used the soccer style of kicking, which basically uses the side of the kick, which I believe we talked about two times ago with your, your guy. Yeah. Yeah. The early, like, what, uh, 20th century, everyone was kicking with their toe, like, straight on. But yeah. now everyone does the soccer with the side of your foot. Yeah, so that was recently introduced in the AFL, and he kind of aped it and was like, hey, this is really efficient. I'll use it. So he was drafted by the Chiefs in 67, would have a 70% accuracy on his kicks within the first three years of his career, which was 20% higher than the league average at the time. Nice. So in Super Bowl, Super Bowl four versus the Vikings, Jan would help the Chiefs reach victory by kicking three field goals and set the record for the longest Super Bowl field goal of all time, 48 yards, which lasted for 40, or sorry, for 24 years until it was beaten by Steve Christie in Super Bowl 28 in 1994. In 1971, he would have his worst statistical game where the Chiefs would lose to the Dolphins in double overtime in the longest NFL game in history up until 2017. This game was 82 minutes and 40 seconds of playtime. He would miss two kicks and have one blocked wow. in overtime. Oof. So Jan would retire in 1985, playing 19 years total in the AFL and NFL. He had a 67% conversion rate of field goals and a 97% conversion rate on extra points. At the time of his retirement, he was also the longest tenured player to play in the NFL. Sorry, in the AFL. So I know Walker just said we like some stat porn, so I'm going to give you some stat porn right here. Love sets. So he was a Super Bowl champion for Super Bowl IV, an AFL champion in 1969, a four-time first-team first All-Pro, two-time first-team All-AFL, two-time second-team All-Pro, second-team All-AFL, four-time Pro Bowler, four-time AFL All-Star, NFL 75th Anniversary All-Time Team, 
NFL 100th anniversary all-time team. He's in the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame, the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame, Kansas City Chiefs number, t- num- number three retired, first team All-American, and the Montana State Bobcats retired his number of number 78. Number 78. Let's go. And he does, uh, I believe he records the Super Bowl, or at one point he recorded the Super Bowl for um, Scandinavian broadcasts. So he was cool. doing translations. Oh, hell yeah. So he yeah, does so the Norse, the Norse like translation. I don't know if he does it currently, but I know he's done it in the past. Oh, I know he's involved in Kansas City too. I think he's involved with like developing sports centers in the region, which I think is sick. Okay, like, hey, this is flat. Hell yeah. ski jumps here. I yeah. I got a I got a second Walker sentiment that like a kicker with jersey number seventy eight is just so cold. That's hard. Yeah, <laughs> that shit fucking rules. Um. All right, Jan Stenerud. Hell yeah. All right, I got one. Yep. I got one for you guys. I hope you're ready. Before we start, I have to point out that uh, as of right now, it is Friday, February, or February, November 24th. Henry Kissinger, unfortunately, still alive. Does um, it sound like life support now, or what's... N- nope. Nope. Just oh, he's in a wheelchair. He's just chilling. But he's been he, in a wheelchair. Like... As I watch like Jack Del Rio get fired, I'm like, this dude's the Jack Del Rio of foreign policy. Like, is there any <laughs> way that we could just get this guy's life pass revoked? Um, all right, so <clears throat> I got a good one today, and I think it covers a ton of bases. It's got, if you want to stretch it a little bit, Patrick Swayze. We got the Beverly Hillbillies. We got Metallica, and we got Roger Staubach in this story. So what? Yeah, so I'm going to tell you the wild story of the man named Jack Murphy, a.k.a. Murph the Surf. We are going to surfing today, my friends. Hell yeah. All right. Murphy, born in 1937 in Los Angeles. His family bounces around as he's a kid, but he always ends up living near the ocean and becomes an accomplished surfer as a young man. He ends up getting a full scholarship to play tennis at the University of Pittsburgh, where he played violin. But uh, he, he dropped out at 18 and moved to Miami. He, he wins a few big major surfing competitions in the early 60s in Florida and Virginia and opens up his own surf shop in Miami Beach. So let's, okay. talk, let's talk about uh, Jack Murphy's 1960s. In the 1960s, he happened to be married to four different women in the course of that decade. Okay. What? That's effort. Like, that's hustle. Um, when you consider that he did other things during this, this decade... <laughs> Uh, so he he makes friends with two other dudes in the surfing scene, and these guys are named Alan Kuhn and Roger Clark. Now these dudes super into crimes. They do a ton of crimes. Yeah, the Kuhn and Clark. There it is, the famous thieves. Uh, yeah. So they would steal expensive art and then sell it to art dealers. But isn't that what artists do nowadays? Anyways, it's just one yes. big money laundering scheme. The uh, dude from Exit Through the Gift Shop, the other guy, Mister oh, Whatever. Thanks, thanks no, the the guy that they're supposed to be making fun of that ends up looking earnest while Banksy looks jaded and weird. I don't know. Whatever. It's British. So, I don't engage uh, with it. You guys know what Banksy looks like? No, he's in shadows <laughs> in the movie. Um, all, right, all right. So in the 60s, a bunch of cat burglaries happened up and down the coast. People would break into homes, steal valuables, get away by speedboat. Millions of dollars in valuables would eventually be found in waterproof bags in Biscayne Bay years later. This sounds like Miami. Right? (laughs) So there's no proof tying Jack Murphy to these, but there's certainly proof to what happens next. 
1964, these three beach bums go up to Manhattan and rent out a hotel room on West 86th Street, throw in a bunch of parties, doing a ton of weed and coke, and, like, they would go to bars to, like, knock off drunks, and they'd go to empty hotel rooms to loot what they could. So while they're in New York, they come upon the J.P. Morgan Hall of Gems and Minerals at the American Museum of Natural History. Of course. So they notice a few things. The Star of India, a 563-carat oval-shaped blue sapphire. They notice oh the, the DeLong Star Ruby at 100.32 carats, the 116-carat Midnight Star, one of the world's largest black sapphires, and also very little security. So October, oh 20, <laughs> so October 29th, they scale the back wall, use the fire escape to get to the fifth floor, scale along the narrow edge of a building, tie a rope to a pillar, and then they, like, rappled down. The glass was so thick around the jewels that they used glass cutters to stay quiet and a rubber suction cup to get the jewels out, taking a total of 22 items. They walked home Damn. and got fucked up, did a bunch of coke. This is like that Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta-Jones movie. Uh, what's what's that the called? Score? Is it The Score? I can't remember. It's the one it's from with the, the late 90s. She does the lasers. She's in the lasers. Yeah, yeah. Is they that out of, lasers, yeah. out of sight, right? I nah, Maybe. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, right. I remember. It was famous. So the next morning, all of the newspapers are like, hey, 22 incredibly valuable pieces of jewelry are missing. So they decide to like book leave town. Hotel clerk tips off the cops. They find the plans and evidence in the room. They eventually find all but one of the gems and all three of the servers get prison sentences of two years, which is not a lot. And I think they got a plea deal because they told them where they could find most of the, the jewels. So while they're out on bail, they go back to Florida where they are all eventually arrested and charged for the unrelated robbery and assault on actress Ava Gabor, who was a lead character on the, Bever on the Beverly Hillbillies. So... Yeah. In, in 1967, Murphy gets released from jail. In 1968, he is the lookout and getaway driver in the robbery of a socialite by the name of Olive Warford. Okay. He, so he and another friend named Jack Griffith meet up with two secretaries named Terry Ray Frank and Annalee Moan. They had stolen $500,000 in securities from a California brokerage where they worked. Uh, Murphy conspired with them to the, for the theft, gave him a hideout in Miami. They all go out on a speedboat ride to figure out how to make their money, and both women are murdered. The detectives find the bodies and the securities, and they trace it back, and they, Murphy and Griffith both get sentenced to jail. Griffith gets 45 years, and Murphy gets life. Now, while in jail, Murphy goes hard for Jesus. I mean, <laughs> rock, rock hard for Jesus. Um, so a few athletes and businessmen visit the jail in 1974 as some sort of like motivational speaking thing. And Murph is inspired after meeting his newly minted hero and eventual lifelong friend, Roger Staubach, who was one of the speakers. Interesting. His early in, in 1974, when he met these guys, his parole date was 2005 for his, you know, double murder. Right. Yeah. But now hear me out. He spent a lot of time learning scripture and mentoring other prisoners. So, you know, he ends up getting paroled in 1986 for a double nah, murder. It was Staubach. Staubach got him out. <laughs> so, but, but you know what? It wasn't that easy. He had some really intense restrictions put on him. He couldn't go back to Dade County where he, you know, murdered two people. 
And on top of that, if that wasn't enough, he had to make a donation of $2,500 to a local Meals on Wheels. Dude, John Hinckley had it harder than this guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, all right. So don't, don't try to explain to me how a guy out on parole for double homicide can eventually tour the country and speak about Jesus to various prisons, but this guy does it. His lifetime parole status was removed in 2000. He went to go speak about God in Jerusalem. He was somehow on Larry King Live. And was just like a huge all-around, yeah, just an all-around Jesus guy until he died in 2020. I cannot tell you for sure if he was vexed or not. Is um, Larry King still alive? Probably. I feel like he died. Probably. I could, I could go either way. Um, like a goblin, so. So, the whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, this dude's totally the inspiration for Swayze's character in Point Break, right? Like, sure. Jewel Thief Surfer, like, come on. But according to the guy that wrote Point Break, he was like, no, I was just watching a news report that said there was a ton of burglaries in Miami and I thought up this movie. I think that's a fucking lie. Yeah, because, like, this is a stranger than fiction thing, right? Where, like, you, you couldn't write it if you if you wrote it to be corny and it'd have homoerotic under, uh, under <laughs> like, like <Yeah>. Point Break does. <laughs> totally. Uh, so MGM has a series coming out about Murph the Surf. Uh, he's been in multiple documentaries. He was inducted into the East Coast Surfing Hall of Fame in 1996. And lastly, and most importantly, there is an improvised jam that Kirk Hammett and Robert Trujillo do on stage when Metallica tools called tours called Murph the Surf, and it fucking sucks. So that is <laughs> that's the story of Jack Murphy, aka Murph the Surf. What's our What's the limitation on, on, on killing somebody and entering into a Hall of Fame, right? Because I, I thought OJ was enough, right? OJ is one. I was like, okay, that might be one. But this guy's killed two, right? So, like, what is the limit of killing people and being able to enter the Hall of Fame? Ray I think Lewis. it's like three. I think it's like three people. You got to kill, like, three or more people. Uh, and you can't get Your are out. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Marvin Harrison, right? Isn't Marvin Harrison in the Hall of Fame? Allegedly, he killed people but we yeah. don't know that for sure yeah but he's he made a maserati so it's fine that's true maserati marv senior um all right so let's take a break we're gonna come back with a bunch of fun stuff and we'll see you on the other side and goodbye It's perfect every time. It never gets better than this. Um, all right, let's talk DFS lineup. We had the Walker to help us here. Our our super flex lineup this week, which once again we do guarantee to cash uh 100% of the time. Um Baker Mayfield, we have CJ Stroud. We're pairing them with Tank Dell and Mike Evans, respectively. Our running backs are Gus Edwards, Derek Henry. We're gonna go with Adam Thielen at the flex. How cool is that? Oh, and Njoku at oh. tight end. Do we have David Njoku? Oh, we do. We do have to play a tight end. Yeah. Apparently. All and the time. <laughs> All the time. One day we they'll... great lineup. We have 8,000 salary left. Weird. <laughs> we don't need a fucking <laughs> tight end. We're fine. Ryan, I have a question. Would you sign up for DraftKings DFS if they did, like, DFS with a tight end premium, like 1.25 points a catch? No, what they sh- oh yeah, but what they should do is like they did. Uh, I know they got rid of it this year because of Pat McAfee, but 
they remember Tony, they used to do hashtag for the brand with the kicker lineups. Yep. They should just do all tight end lineups. Like a tight, a five, five spot tight ends. You, you pick six tight ends and <laughs> yeah. And best six win. Love that. That's a great idea. So speaking of tight ends, I guess you should probably let us know who is Ryan's mid tier kind of shitty tight end of the week. All right, guys. This week, my mid tier kind of shitty tight end of the week. Um, if the Sunday night game was uh, involved in the main slate, I'd be going with Isaiah Likely at five thousand, just because Mark Andrews is out. Uh, Lamar loves throwing to the tight end, and they're playing the Chargers, so that means Moss Puntos. True. Um, but he is not part of the main slate, so my mid-tier kind of shitty tight end of the week is $100 cheaper than that, and we're going with Pat Fryermuth. The Muth mm. is loose. Oh. He's going to have a game this week against Cincinnati, who gives up a lot of points to the tight end. He's good for 55 yards and a touchdown. Locking it. And he's going to afford you a lot of salary at other positions in your DFS lineups. Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth. I also was kind of feeling, I, I don't want to jump on, on your toes here, but <clears throat> little little Tanner Hudson lately, huh? The fuck is up with that? Yeah, you know what? Eventually Cincinnati's going to go back to how they used to play and never throw to the tight end. Um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> we'll see. Once Higgins is healthy. It's a Tyler yeah. Boyd week. I feel that. I like that, Shane. I like that. 36.5 yards on sleeper. That's not a lot okay. of yards. <laughs> so, Ryan, what you're saying is that I should swap Pat Fryermuth into my lineup and Kate Otten out of my lineup. It's, it's tough because I think Tony's going to have a lot to say about that Tampa Bay game. And look at, I was looking at a lot of the lines and stuff earlier, and I think that game could be really crazy game script one of the team might get 30 points so otten it's a tough it's a tough call but otten's otten's more expensive where's otten he's like what 56 so he's technically not a mid-tier kind of shitty tight end is he no so yeah and if you're rooting for picky you got to watch a steelers game and that's just like misery that's true i'm not i'm definitely not gonna do you have to watch an afc (laughs) north divisional game Ugh. Um, Pat Fryermuth, huh? I like it. I I'm high I like on Pat Fryermuth. I think Pat Fryermuth is great. Um, Ooh, I am, and I thought that he was gonna be schemed open, and he's just been hurt all year. So Matt uh, Canada's gone. Who knows? But yeah, we he's gotta get over the Kenny Pickett hump, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> Kenny Pickett unleashed, bro. This is gonna be. He's gonna light up the scoreboard, man. This week, his line is at 195.5, and I'm taking the under. Yeah. I was going to say, well, how's that? It's like yeah. a sleeper discount line. <laughs> I'm saying, Pat Fryermuth, get him in your lineups this week, because after he plays this week, he's no longer going to be a mid-tier, kind of shitty tight end of the week, because he's going to be above 5,500. 5, so One touchdown is $1,000 added to his value. I try to, go, I try to go with guys that are 52 or lower, so... That makes sense. And this is a this is a bad slate this week because of all the games that have already been played. So, yep. Yeah, man, you don't even have access to Durham Smythe. Um, no. <laughs> Did you see to a? Yeah, you were here. You, you just bounced it right off of Durham Smythe's feet. That's wonderful. 
What a what a game Rock. today, by the way. Barack Bowers is gonna be a Falcon or not a Falcon shit, a dolphin. Hey, we made we made like fifty bucks. It was did. a good game. It was a good game. Raheem Mostert supremacy. All right, yep. Shane. Tell us about the lines you like most this week. All right. Even though he's coming back from injury, I got Kyron Williams over 62.5 rushing yards. Arizona is the second worst rushing defense in the NFL. And I think the game script is going to favor their most explosive runner since they just didn't they let Hendo walk again? Or did they put they him sure on the did. practice squad? Yeah. Sean, Sean McVay is such a toxic partner, man. He uses and abuses you and just kicks you to the curb. Yep. They're in they're in Arizona, right? Because Chargers are at home. Or... Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy line to hit. I mean, they've shown that they want to use him as much as possible when he's in the game. Stafford's still like not 100%. Cups not 100%. So, sure. And next Love one, it. I mean, this this is kind of a pairing. It's I want as much juice on the Baltimore side of the Charger game as possible because we saw that the Chargers are imploding as fast as possible. Um, Lamar's passing yard line is 228.5 yards. I think that's a pretty easy line to hit, especially with the offense starting to click, even with Mark Andrews out. Um, is OBJ back, or is he still hurt? Yeah. Uh, he's not marked not out sure. yet. Okay. Um, they got Flowers. They got um, Nelson Aguilar. They got Bateman. Yeah. Yay. Um, yeah. I also I also put, I know we talked about me not liking, t- liking touchdowns every week, but I did bet the Gus Edwards uh, over .5 anytime touchdowns. Dude just finds the end zone. They're going to get into the red zone a lot this week, and I feel like he's just going to do what he does best and just rumble for six yards and get those points. Sure. sure. Um, next one I like is Christian Kirk mm-hmm. over 57.6. Um, I do believe this game is going to be a shootout, and now that I say that, it's going to be like a 9-7 to seven game. But Could be. I, I know Houston gives no, up Shane. more points. No, Shane, I'm, I'm all over this game too. <laughs> all right. Um, I know Houston gives up. I know Houston gives up more <laughs> points to the slot position, which Christian Kirk lines out most out of. Um, and I know we there's the influx of Calvin Ridley versus Christian Kirk, but I think it's a toss-up and both dudes can eat in this game. The next one is the most risky parlay that I've taken all week because it is a hater and a I'm betting on Cincinnati parlay. Okay. So the over I have is Tyler Boyd over 36.5 reception yards, even though they do have a backup quarterback. Pittsburgh gives up the second most points in the NFL to the slot receiver, in which Tyler Boyd lines primarily out of. Um, he needs basically three receptions to hit this over. And then I took the Kenny Pickett under 195.5 passing yards because even though they are free from Matt Canada, they are not free from Kenny Pickett. I don't think he's thrown for... Let me look at the game log real here quick. I think he's only thrown for over 200 yards five times in the season. And the last three... last. Four weeks, he's put up 108, 128, 160, and 72. They are starting to lean on the run game more often, and that's kind of how they're winning the game along with the defense. So I'm going to be a Kenny Pickett hater till I'm proven otherwise. Love it. So we have, let's recap. We have uh, Kyron Williams over 62.5 rushing, Lamar Jackson over 228.5 passing, Gus Edwards anytime touchdown, Christian Kirk over 57.5 receiving. Correct. Uh, Pickett under 195 and a half. Boyd over 36 and a half. All right. Correct. I just love Tyler Boyd. I know I'm biased. I think that's where it comes from. It's like one of four people in the world who loves Tyler Boyd, but I just go back to the well. Here we go. So we are going to talk shits to riches, my friends. This is week two of the segment. This is a wild 
Wild West prediction slot where we all kind of pick a game that we think is going to blow up for fantasy, gambling, all kinds of purposes, and something you should be trying to get shares in. So, Ryan, what's your shits to riches game of the week? Guys, guess what? My shits to riches game is Jacksonville Jaguars versus Houston. All right? Oh, yeah. Probably would have never guessed. No, never. Couldn't have. <laughs> Ton of points in that one? Yeah, it's it's not the highest point total on the week of the slate, obviously, because we have, uh, you know, Philly, Buffalo, and um, I think well, maybe that one's the only one that's higher, but this one's at like 47 and a half. Um, I have a feeling, I have a really good feeling about a lot of these lines. Um, Jacksonville gives up uh, something, that, depending on what rankings you're looking at, between like the 8th and 10th amount. Uh, fantasy points to uh, wide receivers. So I think CJ Stroud has a good chance to have another 300 plus yard game. Um, Tank Dell is going to get involved. Nico will get a few. I hope that Dalton Schultz gets more involved. Uh, He kind of fell off a little bit last week, Um, but Stroud was still throwing. It's just, he might, he just wasn't open as much as he has been in his hundred guard game before that. Okay. I think uh, Lawrence is going to hit his passing over. I, I'm just thinking that this game's just going to go back and forth, and hopefully it's like a 34 to 31 shootout, something like that. It is, it is a divisional game. We'll see. Right, yeah. If Houston wins this, do you think they win the division? Well, that's a, that was just going to say that, too. Like, Houston's playing for something, too. That's why I think this would be a shootout, because if Houston wins, they'll be tied uh, with the Jags for a record. Dude, in the, in the division, so they bet on themselves and they said, "You know what? Cleveland's going to yeah. fall apart, so we're still going to have a high draft pick." Yep, they're fu- and Our- they're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. So, yeah. I, I hope I get to see a lot of that game. Walker, do you have a game that you're identifying as a, a low key banger? Oh yeah, I think uh, I think Tampa Bay Indy could be a really good one. Um, Tampa has already nice. shown early in this season that against AFC South opponents. They can have ridiculous high-scoring football games. They did this against Houston, which was an incredible ball game. That was C.J. Stroud's five-touchdown game, I believe. Yep. Um, fantastic game. Uh, Indy has also played a couple of these silly games this season. Um, they had one that was absurdly high-scoring with the Browns for some reason. Yep. Pretty sure that was P.J. Walker versus Gardner Minshew, and it finished like 37-34, to 34, so... Battle of um, mid. Oh, is that? Is def- wait, that, well, that was that was the last minute field goal. That was like thirty three to thirty one or something, right? Yeah, that Cleveland one. Yeah, that one was Baltimore. Oh shit! Damn it! That's Never mind. that's the one where Miles Garrett jumped over a dude to block a field goal. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he did do shit that. Was, shit was sick. He's he's so good. Um, yeah. Defensive player of the year, in my opinion. Even though I hate the Browns, <laughs> but they're. Uh, yeah, the both these teams have like really high chaos and bozo meters. And <laughs> I just I just feel like when you combine them, this is definitely either gonna be a really disgusting game that finishes like ten to nine, or it's gonna be a fantastic game that's like thirty-four to twenty-eight. And I'm just sure. really hope I'm really hoping it's the latter, and I think it will because there's enough stud offensive players out out on the field for each team make it happen. You also, you also have two gunslinging quarterbacks, right? Dudes who just want to sling mm-hmm. the rock. They want to throw the ball 60 yeah. times in the game, and I think that's what we're going to see. Yeah, I mean, right. I think Taylor will get his carries, but I think it's going to Tampa's just going to be like, pass, 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 pass. Yeah. Yep. 
All right, Shane, shits to riches, my friend. I was originally going to go with the Falcons versus the Saints, but seeing now that Derek Carr is back, we don't get the Jameis Winston experience, and uh, I was going to call him Matt Rule, but um, (laughs) Arthur Smith is putting in Desmond Ritter again, so I'm going to pivot to the Bears and the Vikings game. Oh, okay. I know that we have seen that Chicago has ramped up their rush defense significantly. So we all know Minnesota does not have the rushing game. So I think Josh Dobbs is going to go full astronaut again. And we've seen what Justin Fields is basically continuing to do. Um, I feel like that's going to be a high scoring game. It's going to be sloppy, but I think it's going to be really high fantasy, high scoring for fantasy. Justin Jefferson isn't back, right? He's, he's seeing how he feels. Yeah. It's questionable. I don't think he's going to play. So, post by week me yeah i yeah, didn't I mean, he t- didn't he tweet something like um my my health is like more yeah. concerned versus your fantasy team or something like that yep which shout out dude that's the way to do it he's, he's trying right. to get yeah. yeah so yeah um, i think that's going to be i think it, it might be a heartbreaker for the the nfc uh buddies but i think it'll it'll it should be a high scoring game in my opinion well something that something that worried me and you know we all I'm assuming most of us watched that Bears-Lions game. Fields had 18 carries, and that's good, but only, yeah. <laughs> on, well, only four of those were scrambles, which is when Fields is at his most dangerous. When Luke Getze thinks he's being a genius by doing, like, student body right with Justin Fields, like, right. no, no, no. What makes him great is that he sees the lanes from the pocket. So I worry, but... I don't think Fields is going to go nuclear, but I, I definitely see why this has low-key banger potential because, like Walker said, both of these teams on the chaos and bozo meters, they, they're they there. You know, the- maybe, maybe Vegas knows something. Maybe there is a reason why they didn't flex Buffalo and um, Philly from the 3 o'clock <laughs> games to the Monday night football game. I think you that never game's going to be bad, man. I think Buffalo's just broken. I know last week was better, but like they're like I said all offseason, man, they just got bad vibes. I think Buffalo's going to win that game. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. I really do. I, I think Philly is due to lose one of these games that they keep playing with. And it's Buffalo's true. coming off the bye with the boost of, oh, the new offensive coordinator. We scored 30 points, even though the offense is basically just the same with a little bit more <laughs> two ten sets. Right. Um, I, I just I think Buffalo's riding high a little bit right now, and I think Philly's going to come in coasting a little bit. Yeah, it's a complete narrative pick, but um, Philly's got to lose one of these games. Their their schedule is too tough, and the NFL is too tough to win over and over and over in a row. So, sure. yeah. I'll take I'll take Buffalo by like a field goal. Nothing okay. wrong with nothing wrong with a vibes pick, Tony. Speaking of yeah. vibes, what's your I got pick? I got a vibe. Excellent transition. Um, I'm learning from you. <laughs> my gu- my gut was Colts Bucks. <laughs> Um, but for diversity of opinion, because if we spray enough shotgun pellets, one of us will be right, and we can tout That's that right. on our bios. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to go Rams-Cardinals. Yes. I like that pick. I like that pick. Yeah. I love that. Hell yeah. That was um, the game I was looking at originally. Yeah. Are we going to see think... Are we gonna see another Dorch game? Well, yeah, because <laughs> oh, Michael, Michael Wilson's no. out. Michael Wilson's out, and last week, Dorch ran Michael Wilson's routes, which are zone beaters, and the Rams are like... still not going to play, huh? Nope, he's already been ruled out. It's a Dorch week, guess, baby. Uh, guess who's number three quarterback in points per game this year? It's Kyler. Kyler Murray. 20.5 yep. points per game. Yep. I think the Rams win by a touchdown. 
But at the same time, like, I think there's a chance this game ends, you know, 3327 or 3124. Hell yeah. So, who knows? Chaos. Um, So, before for those dog shit Thursday games. Before we get too far into talking points, we're going to come back to talking points in a minute. Let's play a game, you guys. You ready to play a game? Let's do it. Is this this Saw 11? It's close. Uh, (laughs) Saw 9. So, you guys are all going to work together. This is a one-question game. And all of these numbers were pulled before Thursday. So, Thursday's Thursday's games do not count. I'm assuming today's game does not count also. That is correct. That's correct. So minimum, oh, you know, well, well, okay. All right. So there are nine players in the NFL to average over 100 yards from scrimmage per game so far this season. You'll need to name all nine and you will get two free clues to start. Clue one is three of these players are running backs. Six of them are wide receivers. And clue, clue two, minimum four games played. Okay. So okay. one is Amon Ra, right? So you guys uh, all have to. When you so, all agree, um, you submit it. One First off, once yeah, one Tyreek, one CMC. Yes, that the, absolutely. Those are both are you, true. Are you submitting Tyreek Hill and CMC? Yes, I think Same. so. I would think so. Okay, Tyreek Hill is correct. He's number one with one hundred and twenty-three point nine yards per game. Christian McCaffrey is number two with 118.9 uh, yards per game. Also, you'll have uh, two misses here. Misses. Okay. We'll we have two. Have uh, how about um, Justin Jefferson? Yeah. Uh, played. Yeah, he's played. He's definitely played four games, and yeah. I have to imagine he's averaging over 100 yards. Right. Scrimmage yards. Yeah, probably. Shane, do you agree? Or are you guys? Submitting? Shane. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. That is correct. Justin Jefferson is third with 114.2 scrimmage yards per game. So the next one I'm thinking of is um, is AJ Brown had that big stretch where he had like over 125 yeah, six true. straight games. Yeah. So we I was thinking that AJ. The only thing that concerns me is he's had like two dud games with like yeah. six yards, but I think it's going to be really close. He might be like eight or nine on the list. I'm down for AJ Brown. AJ Brown okay. is number. AJ Brown is number eight on the list with yes. one hundred and one point three yards. Let's go, and it's okay. got to be Amon Ra too, right? Because Amon Ra, like he just hit his within this week, he hit his inconsistency of one hundred yard, not hitting one hundred yards in one touchdown. Um, it might be. Uh, I again, I feel Amon Ra is the same way because he doesn't usually have like more than one thirty but he never has less than like right. 70. So yeah. it, it's, it's like this past week he had nine for 95, I think. Yeah. And, and like so I don't, I don't know if he's going to be over a hundred. It's really close, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Let's wait. Let's wait a second. Um, let's explore some other options. We'll put Amara on the back burner for a second, just in case I don't want to go out right away. No, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. You have um, multiple, you have two that you can get wrong. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought you meant that we're like, okay, never mind. I got it. And I'm not, thinking another sure. option for receiver is CD Lamb, but I'm not sure if that would good. be correct. Because when did he come on? Like week three or four? Like maybe, like maybe five, something like yeah. that. Week four might be right because it was after they lost to the Cardinals. 
Um, so that's an option. Um, I'm down do we, for both. Do you, do you think it is it Thielen? Can't be Thielen, right? No, not I don't think so because he's had a like four games in a row where he's been under a hundred now. We do have two more running backs too. Who, do we want to pivot to running back or do we want to pick those wide receivers still? Um. Yeah, I mean, I the running backs, I'm I'm kind of not. I'm not sure. For sure, on. I mean, I'm trying to think of the running backs that are scoring the most fantasy points, and like Austin Eckler is, but I don't know if he's averaging over a hundred from scrimmage a game. Right. I yeah. don't think he is. And then after that, I mean, like Kyron Williams was scoring a lot of points, but again, he was doing it on touchdowns. How many? Games Same with Travis Etienne. Oh yeah, HN. He's only played two games though, right? No, he's played more than that. No, he's played more than that. I believe he's played at least four. Is it Mostert? Mostert is also a possibility. Will it help you if I tell you that, yes, indeed, Devon Chan has played more than four games? Okay. I think that he has to be one then, right? Because he had like two 200-yard games. Right. Right, because he's played more than four, but his sample size is still smaller than most. Yeah. Right. You guys locking it in? I'm good. Shane? I'm good H-N. I'm okay. Good H-N. Okay. I brought it yeah. up, so. Devon Achan is fifth with 106.4. Very good. Very good. Okay. So we've got five. And you have one remaining running back and three remaining wide receivers. Okay. Do we want to guess Amon Ra? I'm cool with Amon Ra. Okay. Amon Ra St. Brown is ninth with 101.2 yards. Nice. Boom. <laughs> Right. Um, so we're sixth. Probably, we got okay, running backs. Left. Running backs is probably not. Let's see. I'm just gonna start going through all the teams. White, right? There's no ETN. No, it's not ETN, right? Uh, I don't think so. It could be ETN. No, it's close with him, but I mean, he has a lot of touchdown production too. Yeah. So I worry that his yardage hasn't been as high. It's not Pacheco. No. No. It's not Jacobs. It's not B Rob, is it? Is it Brian Robinson? I don't think he's been that high. It's, it's not, and it's not B John Robinson or Algier. No. I don't think. No, no Gibbs. No. Monty? Camara? Ooh, Gibbs or Monty? Ooh. Camara's a good pick, too. Monty hasn't, isn't because he's not caught many passes this year. And he's only had, I think, Two games over a hundred yards. Yeah, and Gibbs had a a few games early in the season where he was averaging like forty yards a game. So yeah, I like Camara. Um, I is interesting to me because again the sample size is smaller, and then we still have CD Lamb on the back burner too, and we can afford to get one wrong. Because how many do we have to get right, true. Tony? We have to get three. Nine. Four more. Yeah, we have, we have to get three more. Three more. Okay. Two wide receivers and a running back. Correct. Let's do CD. Okay. I'm good with that. CD Lamb is correct. CD Lamb is number four with 106.7 yards from scrimmage per game. Very interesting. I did not know it was that high. You are missing numbers six and seven. Could the other receiver be Keenan Allen? Oh, that's a good one, too. Potentially, yeah. I like that pick. He has been lighting it up lately. He was wide receiver one prior to Thursday. I like it then. Wow. Do it. 
Keenan Allen is number six with 101.7 yeah, yards per game. Okay, so we got right, a so we got a, a running back. Yep. And Kamara is, is it the Kenneth one. Walk, that... Kenneth Walker, maybe. He got hurt though, and he played that game. I know. Right, but he About only average. has to. He only has to have a four-game sample size. No, I know, but because he got hurt that game, he only had like eight yards oh, during the game. Affect his average. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, the the two guys I'm thinking of that make the most sense based on their production would be Kamara and Mostert, but Mostert doesn't catch many passes. What about what we didn't Shane say it earlier? Kyron Williams. I know he's got a small sample size, but he's got more than four game sample size, right? Yeah, I just worry because he scored a lot of touchdowns, and I feel like his fantasy production was boosted a lot by that. Right. I mean, technically, okay. we have three guesses. So yeah, that's true. Well, we okay, so let's rule out. It's not Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon. No, it's. It, do you think it could be Gibbs? No, it's I don't not think Monty. so. No, like okay. Walker said, he had like the first four games. Of um, panicking. It's not Madison or Chandler. Nope. It's no. not anyone on the Bears. So there goes the no. NFC North. Is it Nick okay. Chubb? No, Chubb got hurt in game two. He got hurt too early. Yeah. I think. Uh, is it Jalen Warren? Jalen Warren? No, no, because he just had his 100 game last week. No one, no one from Baltimore. No, AFC North, I don't think, because Mixon wouldn't be up there either. No, not quite that many yards. Um, it's not Taylor. It's not Pollard. It's not Zach Moss. No, he's been playing these last games as the backup. So I don't think it's anyone from Texas. No. No. Is it Kamara then? I think it's Kamara. That would be my, that's my number one guess right now. Yeah, let's All right, go let's Kamara go Kamara. Then. Elvin Kamara is not on the list. Okay. Darn. Oh, okay. no. So Strike we, is, it Rashad, is it Rashad White? No. I don't think so. He's only been getting good lately. I don't I think, think it's anybody in the NFC South. No Bijan, no Algier. No. no. No, 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 James, uh, no, James Connor, no. We already said McCaffrey. Um, uh, anyone, anyone from Denver? No, I no, don't think no. so. Jacobs, no. I mean, I would say right now the options that we have so far are Kyron. Oh, what about Saquon? Oh, Saquon. Yeah, he's been putting be up good. crazy, crazy yardage lately. He's like top four running back right now. What do you think, Shane? Your guys' guess is mine. I have not looked at a single giant stat line right. in like six weeks. Totally fair. S- Saquon for 600. Saquon Barkley is number seven. Yes. There we go, yes. dude. With one. One, 101.6 <laughs> yards per game. Nice. Well done, you guys. Only one strike. Pretty good. All right. If I would have if I would have thought of Saquon earlier, I completely glossed over him. Yeah. And Giants don't exist. Uh, Kamara, right, that's, you know. Yeah, I I feel like Kamara's got to be pretty close, but it's He is. Yeah. He is. And so yeah. is ETN. ETN's in the 90s as well. Mm. Okay. Um all right. So, let's talk a little ball before we do geography. Um so let's do talking point one. We'll kind of go around a little bit. You can make it quick, you can give a little bit of explanation. Your call. Talking point number one, what rookie has the highest likelihood of a year two breakout next season? Ryan, start us off. 
I went with a wide receiver on this one. It's a little chalk, but I'm go. I'm gonna go JSN. Just because Lockett or Metcalf's gonna be gone next year, and he seems like he's doing pretty well with the targets that he's given. So, yeah. Okay. JSN. Okay. Uh, Walker, who do you got? I also picked Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, yeah. He had his first real huge splash play uh, yesterday. Made that really sick one-handed catch. Um, he's been producing much more consistently over the last month and a half than he did at the start of the season. He's following a pretty tried and true wide, like rookie wide receiver season where he starts off slow, ramps it up, looks like the player that they drafted him to be. Um, I think he's going to be a really, really high end wide receiver two or like a low end wide receiver one type guy. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, definitely in that like Amon Ra mold, where he doesn't have yep. burner speed, but he knows how to get open. He catches the ball really well. He's good after the catch. Um, I, I think that he a, will. It was a crazy catch yesterday. That was really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was nice to see him make a make a sick play like that. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with Ryan. I think JSN is in a really good position to have a year two breakout. All right, hell yeah, we got two JSN so far, Shane. I love you guys, but I'm Packer pilled right now. Jaden Reed. Mm. Ooh. He's so good. Yeah, he's going to be good too. He's been lighting it up, man. And then Matt LaFleur actually understands how to use his players to their abilities. And I just think he's, I mean, we, every, I think who said, was it Zacharyson who said he's like a, he's like a Diggs prototype. And even Walker said on the hundredth episode, he's just going to be a target hog. So I'm just going not JSN again because JSN was my initial pick just because of all the points you guys said. But I think Jaden Reed is also kind of – that wide receiving room is so open now. I mean, if Tucker Craft is able to get touchdowns, I think that uh, Jaden Reed is, can obviously take the number one position, yeah. especially with Christian Watson kind of being whatever outside the last two weeks. So There was someone that was, like, super high on Jaden Reed on this show in, like, in like May. So, I mean, whatever, but, like – He's a good guy too. I was MSU, yeah. I, well, I was pretty pissed that he went to Green Bay because it was Shane that was on him, right? Or who was it? Fuck you. Get the fuck. <laughs> get out. Listen, right. Hey, listen. Chargers could have taken any wide receiver in the class, but one guy. You know who we <laughs> took? The fucking one guy. <laughs> you did take that guy. Um, so fuck I'm you, actually. So let's go. I, I'm going to go with the weird one here. I am going to go with Demario, aka Pop. Douglas mm. from the New England Patriots, bro. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So listen, that whole team is <laughs> that whole team is getting an overhaul next year. That whole team yeah. is going to be a mess. And this is our new head coach as well. No, because Belichick resigned, baby. He did? Yeah, yeah. Belichick off resigned season. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was in the offseason and just got announced. I thought everyone was talking about him being somewhere else next year. There's no way. Um, they got to go. Die as the. <laughs> yeah, they, he's, he's gonna he's gonna Joe Biden it. Well, like you know, you got to assume that the Patriots are gonna be a top five pick this next year, and you have to imagine that they're gonna bring in a different quarterback. Yeah. And and you saw what what Belichick tried to do with all of his mid-ass quarterbacks with Jacoby Myers, like here's a reliable slot guy, throw him the ball. And I think there's a chance that pop Douglas is, um, 
you know, uh, if you if you didn't know already, if you weren't listening to TH Fantasy's episode 100 or the Football Absurdity podcast, you would maybe think that there are future potential Jacoby Myers in future years, but there's only one, and it's Jacoby mm-hmm. Myers. This year's Jacoby Myers will forever be Jacoby Myers, but next year's Pop Douglas could easily be Pop Douglas from the New yeah, England no Patriots. One, no one's coming back next year, right? Everybody's gone. Like there's like they don't have anybody out in contract, right? Pop Douglas is like pretty much the only one. Yep. So so those are our picks. We have JSN, JSN, Jaden Reed, Pop Douglas. All receivers because running backs are dust. <laughs> um I think at this I think at this point Belichick's chasing Tom Landry's twenty nine career years as the head coach for Dallas Cowboys. He wants to be he wants to go for thirty with the Patriots. That'll put him at like what, eighty nine years old? It sounds like hell on earth. He's the fucking Henry Kissinger of coaches. That's what New England deserves, though. You get those many championships, you got to deal with hell for forever. It's true. All right. Uh, I have four here. So in order to, for brevity's sake, let's just go one by one here. So let's start with Shane. Shane, where does Mike Evans play next year? That's rough. I could see if Tampa Bay ends up drafting a quarterback. I mean, we all love Baker, right? And he deserves a contract here. But I think if they have like a top 10 pick, like there's no way you can't fade a rookie quarterback, especially without deepest classes. And I think if you do the, hey, we bring in a established old guy, pay him and just develop the rookie talent and let Mike Evans retire in, in a one town forever team. Sure. I think that kind of makes the most sense. Um, okay. That's kind of, I don't, I know he said he wanted to leave. Um, in the off season when things weren't going great and he wanted to get paid, but I think that team is also kind of not as dead as everybody thought they were going to be. Okay. Um, I don't really know where else he would fit scheme wise. You know, I mean, he's such, he's such a down threat or downfield threat. And Baker likes to chuck it. I don't know. I, I, I think Tampa Bay would be my safe bet. Okay. Um, Ryan, where does Hollywood Brown play next year? All right. Guess where Hollywood's going? He's going back to the Ravens. Whoa. Oh, damn. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. He's going back to the Ravens. It's just a trade another for him. Yeah. It's just a good narrative (laughs) story. You know, bring him back and then Baltimore can win the Super Bowl after they lose this year's to uh, San Francisco. That would crush my Zay Flowers love, though, because I love both guys. All right, Walker, where does T. Higgins play next year? Well, uh, I'm, I immediately thought of, oh, uh, Tony's not going to like this when you picked Pop Douglas. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to the New England Patriots. Yeah, Walker, I, wrote, I literally wrote down, goes to die in New England. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's going to fill the Devontae Parker role next year and actually get targets out of it. And he'll get like 140 targets and catch 80 of them for... 950 yards and six touchdowns. Is Bo Nix the new New England Patriots quarterback? Yes. Yes. It might be bad enough to get Ooh. May. That's that's true too. Think so? Yeah. I, I mean, at I, this at, honestly, you know what? At this point, I would guess that Caleb Williams is a Patriot and Drake May is a Giant. Oh man, the Giants Ooh. really got a type, huh? Yes, but May is actually pretty good. Okay. Um, 
And then the last one I had written down that I selfishly kept for myself was Michael Pittman. And I I think Michael Pittman goes to Carolina. Wow. Interesting. Um, okay. I, Go ahead. I, I, I wrote down Pittman to Tampa because they're going to get rid of Evans. But Interesting. I think, I think Pittman and Godwin are pretty similar guys. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, think, do you think Indy drafts a new wide receiver then? Or do you think they just are like, hey, AR, good luck. Hope you like Josh Downs. No, I, I think that Pittman of the four of these guys is the one least likely. Him and Evans, I think, are the ones least likely to leave their teams. Yep. I completely agree. I have them both staying. And, and like, no one mentioned, I'm sure if we asked everyone all of their answers for each, someone would have said Hollywood Brown to Kansas City. Yep. Me. Yep. I did. Because <laughs> I've seen some whispers of that on social media, and I got to tell you, that would be fucking awesome. Makes if a lot of sense. Would've, if they would have just extended Chris Jones to begin the season, they could have signed D-Hop, but they didn't. They had to get, try to get tricky with it, and we're like, oh, shit, we backed ourselves into a corner. That's true. And I could, I'll could, i be honest with you, I could also see um, Tennessee making a play at any of these guys as well. Because I think... The money. And, well, they're going to have the money, and they need to be investing draft capital on the offensive line. Like more importantly yeah. than anything else. So if you could pick up a receiver in free agency, take your shots. Cause I think D hop is D hop two years or it's probably one year and an option. I think. Yeah. Or watch, uh, watch them sign, but they're going to offer Michael Pittman a giant contract to try to take him from a division rival. I, Hey man, that'd be, or, or the commanders use one of those picks that they got for chase young or Montez sweat. And they're like, Hey, here's a second. Here's here's one more prediction for you, one that you didn't list. Sure. I I think that Brandon Ayuk will be playing next year, Houston. I love. Oh. He can't stay in San Francisco. He's got to go. Right, and I think Sloak's gonna want him, and I and Ryan's. I think they're gonna want him, and then they'll have Ayuk, Collins, and Dell as their top three receivers, which is legit, really good. With and Schultz, see, that'd be awesome. What yeah, with Schultz, see? with uh, with uh, Stroud, and then Singletary is a solid back. So they just need another running back. Because I don't think Damian Pierce is that guy. What no. does San Francisco get in that package? Do they give up the the Browns first? Like that's way too high of a pick, right? Well, Ayuk's a free agent, right? Ayuk is going to be a free agent. Yeah. Oh, is he okay? But he was a free yeah. Agent. I think. Yeah. I think uh, Houston offers him like something absolutely absurd, like. Four years, a hundred and ten million, or something. They make him like the third highest paid receiver in football, or something like that. I love that. That would be that's so good. Um, I would love to fucking see that. All right, so <clears throat> last talking point: Which of these bottom five teams from this season has the best chance to make the playoffs next season? Carolina, Arizona, Chicago, the New York Football Giants, and the New England Football Patriots. Walker. I'm going with the Cardinals, and that's because they already have a franchise quarterback in place. Um, I also think that Seattle is on the verge of a downturn with the age of some of their more key players on the roster and Geno kind of turning back into a pumpkin. Um, I don't expect the Rams to be very good next year. Uh, Stafford, I don't even know if he's going to play. Up can't stay healthy anymore. Aaron Donald could retire at any point, and the roster has no depth. Uh, and the Niners will still be really good, but 
I think the Cardinals could jump right up to being the second best team in that division. And in the NFC, you might only need nine wins to make the playoffs. It's true. We're big fans of the job that uh, Shane's not Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon has done in Arizona. Got that um, fire in his gut. He does. He took the bus here today. Um, <laughs> Ryan, which of these teams has the best chance to make the playoffs next year? I'm going with none of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the most accurate uh, answer. Yeah. I, th- I, I thought about it long and hard, and I was like, I don't see a scenario where any of these teams make the playoffs next year. Okay. Makes total sense to me. All right, Shane. I'm going with Walker Cardinals. Like, like, just like you said, franchise quarterback, they got a good offense. That team's playing hard. Um, defense is a little sketchy, but I mean, you can obviously fix that up with, they have two first rounders this year and some more depth pieces. So I think that's a, and I think they have a good cap as well. So I think Cardinals can be competitive at least at the minimum. Okay. Uh, so when I was doing this, I was kind of torn because like, there are some coaches on this list that, that I legitimately believe in, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm hoping that the bears add a coach that I can, you know, believe in, but I'm, I'm a realist and mainly like, I'm pretty upset that the bears spent all this time and money trading out all their defensive assets to play a really stupid basic four three and the new guy's not gonna want to play that, making all of our players irrelevant. Um so I don't think that that's gonna hit. The the team that I think actually has the best chance to make the playoffs next season is Carolina. And I know the Carolina football Panthers don't seem like a a playoff team right now, but I'm thinking about the the state of the NFC South or or lack thereof. Um, the West. Right. You're going to have opportunities to just wail on a bunch of dorks. Um, Carolina has the defense already when they're healthy. I think they may be, <clears throat> there may be like one more first level player away from having a truly elite defense. Brian Burns just takes over games on his own. And that's, <clears throat> that's what Miles Garrett did for years to keep Cleveland afloat. Um, I think they end up Frank Reich. I don't think you can because you want like it's not easy for a rookie quarterback to learn an NFL system and then have to learn two in two years. I don't think it's setting Bryce Young up for success. Isn't he on it? Wouldn't that be his third though? Because didn't they give him a whole new playbook? I I read that somewhere like the last couple that, of days is that they switched that's over. Fu- that's fucking terrible. So I mean, he's a smart guy, right? Like I believe he can do it, but that, like you said, that's it's a very difficult system for someone to win. How did he do on the cop test that they have to take yeah. at the combine? I mean, I think uh, he did really CJ good. Stroud, that's yeah, that's that's the reason why CJ Stroud bombed that shit because he said a cab. So yeah, are you saying ACAB includes Bryce Young? Yes, that's fair. Um, and Jared Goff, his uncle beat up Tupac, or his grandpa beat up Tupac. Yeah. What? Don't let's. We're not talking about this. I don't want to talk about it. I've been I've been convincing myself that my quarterback is a lib for like years now, and I can't have it all crash down on me. Um, I think Carolina makes a play on one of those wide receivers that we just mentioned. Uh, I think they they push in on offense. They they try to sign like they draft a couple of guards. They draft a tackle or two in the in the draft. I think they address wide receiver in free agency, and I think they add a, a pass rusher in free agency as well. Their salary cap number is preposterous, and I think next year we watch them just beat the fucking brakes off of Tampa Bay 
New Orleans and Atlanta on their way to at least a wild card spot. Because like was just said, nine wins in the NFC, money against three. Car- Carolina six and zero oh in division, three and eight out of division. <laughs> it, works. it works. It works. And you, you and you get a fucking home game, baby. Yeah, and um, they're playing the. Uh, they're playing the. Let's see, who would the wild card be? Probably Arizona, right? What if they're play- yeah they're playing like eleven and six Arizona, in the <laughs> most stupid wildcard game of all time. Like that uh, that year that Seattle got in and they were seven and nine, and they won. <laughs> they beat the, the Saints. Beast- that was Beastquake game. Yep, sure was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, God, what was the one? There was a playoff game. It was um, the Raiders were starting Connor Cook. Michigan State legend, and the Texans were starting TJ Yates. Oh God! So it was Yates versus Cook, and Houston Houston won a playoff game with TJ Yates at quarterback. These that are rules. Fake players. This isn't this is an AI that has. Kind of <laughs> <rope>. <laughs> yeah, this is like you start a dynasty in Madden and simulate twenty five years and just see yeah. like who the MVPs right. are. Um, all right, so. Close it out, Ryan. Let's let's go on a trip. Can you take us on a trip? Sure. All right. Guys, so as I mentioned earlier in the episode, <clears throat> the great cup was played this week, and the Blue Bombers were defeated by the Montreal Alouettes in the 110th Grey Cup, 28 to 24. They blew a 10 to nothing lead. They had the chance to be the first CFL team to win three Grey Cups in a four-year span in 50 years. Unfortunately, their roster is one of the oldest in the CF in the CFL right now, so there are going to be some lineup changes next year. So, where are we going this week? We're going to Winnipeg. We're going to the Great White North. All right. Yeah. I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. <laughs> this is first time. This is first time on TH Fantasy. We're going international. You're going to need a passport to go here, guys. Are you guys tips and clear? You guys ready to go? Do you do you want so, me to find some like off-brand rush that I could play underneath this segment? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. So this was their city was born. Uh, it was born in 1873. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they're the third largest city in Canada. Winnipeg is covered in snow uh, 132 days a year. Uh, there, yeah, yeah. Um, if you don't know geography, geographically where Winnipeg is, it's like, like directly north of, uh, like Minnesota North Dakota border. Like you'd go through International Falls and then go a little bit up there. It's not too far over the border. Um, it's in the southern uh, plains of, like the Wheat Belt of where a lot of farming happens in Canada. Okay. Although Winnipeg is the smallest market for Canadian hockey, they sell more uh, Winnipeg Jets merch than any other team in Canada for some reason. I don't know why. Damn. Um, It's probably because their colors rule. Yeah, right. It is pretty cool. So they have the Red River that flows through the town. um, And in the winter... They have really long winters. Um, they form an eight point five, an eight and a half kilometer. Sorry, Canada kilometers. Uh, eight and a half kilometer uh, ice skating rink uh, during the winter. 
Okay. Um, how big yeah. is that freedom units? <laughs> uh, yeah, how I many? Think four. Four eagles. Freedom units. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's home to the Canadian uh, National Museum for Human Rights and is the only museum uh, in Western Canada that exhibits um, about uh, the Native American genocides that the Canadians did to their um, Native Americans. Oh, yeah. Let's see. They have some really cool uh, architecture, um, and they took a lot of ideas from Chicago. So it is called, uh, the city is called the Chicago of the North. Okay. For some reason, um, people from the Philippines like to flock here. They have the highest concentrations of Filipinos in all of Canada. Cool. And some really good food. Winnipeg is home to the National Microbiology Lab and is Canada's only biological safety level four containment lab. They study the most um, dangerous diseases on the planet and in 2012, they developed the Ebola vaccine. What? Go Canada. Yeah. Let's go. Um, in Winnipeg, hamburgers are called nips. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave it like that. It's a little Stephen Wright one-liner. There you go. Uh, <laughs> um, the Blue Bombers, the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, were actually the first team to win the a Grey Cup. Uh, okay. In 1935. Nice. They have the Royal Canadian Mint, um, and it's the only mint outside of Ottawa where Canadian money is produced. Okay. The average temperature during the winter is about 8 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's one of the colder cities outside of being in the Alaskan or Nunavut territories up north. Yeah, they can keep that shit. Right? Yeah, right. Let's talk about some people that are from Winnipeg, Canada. All right. I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. (laughs) Uh, How about some music bands? We all know Bachman Turner Overdrive is from Winnipeg, right? Oh, shit. BTO. Yep. Uh, The Guess Who is from Winnipeg. Uh, We've got the Crash Test Test Dummies from Winnipeg. (laughs) Yep. Famous, uh, made famous by the movie Dumb and Dumber. Let's see. uh, We've got Neil Young is from Winnipeg. Oh, shit. Let's go. We, yeah. We've got the bands Propagandi and the yes. Weaker Zens. Yes. Everyone knows I hate Winnipeg. Yes. Let's see. We've got a famous 60s and 70s uh, game show host, Monty Hall. We've got uh, Brian Turner. Um, he's the founder of Priority Records, who originally signed Snoop Dogg, Jay-Z, and Ice Cube. Back in Damn. the 80s. Okay. Um, yeah. Smoke this now. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is when we're in our barbecue ad right here, Tony. So yeah. Did. did you see what that was for? It was just for like, it was just like an ad for like smokeless fire pits or something. Sell out. <laughs> Poser. Um, uh, uh, tangent, we've got Irv Robbins, uh, co-founder of Baskin Robbins. I'm sure okay. the other guy's Dude, name is God something Baskin. Don't know where he's from. <laughs> um. We've got Terrence Stanley Fox. All right. This guy was an athlete and cancer research activist. Um, In 1980, he had his leg amputated from cancer, um, and he uh, formed a prosthetic. And he was, like, 
I can still do things. I can still, you know, be a normal human being. So he went on to say, I'm going to start in the East Coast of Canada and I'm going to walk slash run to the West Coast of Canada. And um, unfortunately, he never made it because of his cancer, but they still have the Terrence Staley Fox like run like every year. And it's one of like the biggest charities in Canada that people give money to. Um, let's see. Yeah. Over 850 million Canadian dollars. So that's like $40,000 in American. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm kidding. 850 million Canadian dollars has been raised uh, as of 2022 from this guy's charity that started out in the 80s from his run. 40 years. That is unbelievable. Right? Yeah. He's a legend. Let's talk about some sports players. We got Max Domi. Uh, nobody knows who he is. Yeah. Hockey player. Yeah, he's a hockey player. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Was it, is, that, um, is that Ty Domi's kid? Yes. I believe so, yeah. Uh, we've got Travis Hamanick on the Ottawa Senators. Um, we've got Mark Stone, who currently plays for Vegas. Uh, we've got Jonathan Taze, famous Chicago Blackhawk. Mm. We also have Duncan Keith, former Chicago Blackhawk, and Patrick Sharp, former Chicago Blackhawk. Um, me and Tony all know them from the famous... Oh, I know him too as a Red Wings fan. Yeah. Yeah, Walker's a, a Wings um, fan, so... I, I know him. Yeah, for original six rival. We've got Israel Adonage, uh defensive end, who led the NFL in blocked punts in 2005, 06, and 07. Do you know... Um, let, me, let me just spit out a Chicago Bears-related hot take. The reason why Devin Hester stopped returning kicks for touchdowns isn't because the Bears asked him to play wide receiver. It's because the Bears stopped spending on special teams players, and Israel Adonage was one of those. Israel Adonage was sick. He was one of the Bears players I actually liked. Yeah, he was awesome. He was he was the first ever player uh, dra- uh, to be drafted from the University of Manitoba. Let's go. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Was that where Akeem Hicks is from too? uh, He's from he's from somewhere in Canada. Yeah, I feel like he went to the University of Manitoba as well. He might have went to Regina though. I'm not sure. Wait, sorry guys, I was wrong. It wasn't Israel Donaje. It was David Onyemata was the first player from University of Manitoba. Uh, Akeem Akeem Hicks went to Regina. Regina, okay. Um. All right. Uh, we've got some wrestlers from. Fuck yeah, we do. We've got Chris Jericho. Yes, sir. We've got Roddy Roddy Piper. Yep. Uh, let's. I also got. Oh, Kenny Omega, the executive yes, president of AEW, a former wrestler. Oh no, he's he still uh, goes, baby. He still goes. Oh yeah. Him and Jericho just uh, team just teamed up. And so any tag team with Kenny Omega is like the golden whatever. And so him and Jericho's tag team is the Golden Jets because they're from Winnipeg. And Winnipeg's hockey team is the Jets. Hell yeah. Uh, we've got famous uh, PGA Tour golfer Nick Taylor. Let's go. Um, Just won the yeah. Canadian Open. First Canadian to do it in a long, long time. Yep, yep. It's the best finish of the year, we, too. Yeah, was it really? It was, I, I was, yeah, it was a good tournament. 
He made um, like a seventy foot eagle putt to win it in yeah, the fourth playoff. Hole. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. That was in the, That's awesome. That was in the summer. Yeah. Uh we got Albert I'm sorry, Amber Bal Balkan, uh the first female Canadian to win a NASCAR race in America. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um and then obviously the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are here. And that wraps it up with the seven hundred yard pass game. By Mr. Duggan, uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Love it. Sick. I found Let's I go. found I found one guy that you didn't mention, and I know why because he didn't do anything. But he's a basketball player, and his name is Chad Posthumus. <laughs> did you know that? Did you know that there was a? Oh God, I can't even remember. I need to look him up because I don't even remember why he's famous. But there's a guy named Dick Posthumus. <laughs> um, Dale, Dale Gribble loves Manitoba. Oh, he was the former lieutenant governor of Michigan. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> the, the There was only a couple more. There was a couple bands that I saw that I got to give a shout out to. Comeback Kid with one of the greatest yeah. like, bro pop punk hardcore anthems, Wake the Dead. That dude, that song still goes hard. That song is a, one of the best workout songs ever made. Um, and then Ken Mode, who's a metal band that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, all right. What's that so song you said? Wake the Dead by Comeback okay. Kid. It's the, the titular track. Yeah. Um, so that's episode 108, you guys. That was awesome. Walker, thanks for coming on. Um, you guys want to call a shot? Anything that uh, you want to leave us with? What's going to happen on Sunday? Let's see. My dad's going to rage quit his Charger fandom. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Jaguars game final score. 42 to 37. That'd be good. Okay. Anybody else? Walker, got anything? Let's see. The Tennessee Titans leading receiver will be Chico Conquo. Ooh. Oh. That's a fun one. All right, I got a crazy one here and if when this is wrong I never said it. Running back one on the week, Josh Jacobs. Oh shit. Wow. That would be Kansas City. Huge, that would be a huge upset. Wow. It would be. All right, so that's episode 108. Thank you guys for joining us. Hope your Thanksgiving was good. I hope Shane's uh Shane's Friday night is great. Everybody else, thanks for coming by and we'll talk to you soon. Get black out. Let's go. Good night. See you yeah. next episode. Goodbye.